see. Hallelujah. Look at like I don't have to go like this anymore. Let's try it again. Oh, that hurt. That's awesome. I just want to do this for a few more times because that's so awesome. All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to go on this side and be an equal opportunity offender and block it on this side because I'm always blocking their view. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We have spent the last two weeks looking at these two verses. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Paul begins to let us know who Jesus is beyond just his earthly ministry, but who he is in the grand scheme of eternity. And it's, and it's the theology of Christ. Everything on earth, everything in heaven, things that are invisible, which there are things that are invisible, and everything that we can see has been created in him, through him, and for him. Everything, nothing gets out of the, out of this realm of influence. Everything has been created in Him, through Him, for Him, and the ultimate goal of creation and of humanity is everything moves toward the goal of Jesus Christ. Everything is moving in that direction, and you see, this is a game changer. This is. The game changer for all humanity. And the reason is because this, this has nothing to do with just being Christian. This isn't just about, this isn't just true for us Christians. It doesn't matter. This is not just about Christian things. It doesn't matter, um, you know, your Christian family. This has, has everything to do with us, but it's not just for us. Because it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter your thoughts on spirituality. It doesn't matter what religion you want to ascribe yourself for, what affiliation that, that you follow. It doesn't matter if you mishmashed all this spirituality into one kind of neat package that fits the way you'd like to live your life. It doesn't matter. This is true for everyone. Every single person. This is true for. And every person will stand in the presence of Jesus Christ one day. Everyone. And you will either be, you, you, we will all bring him glory. We will either bring him glory by receiving his grace or we will bring him glory by receiving his perfect justice. Personally, me, I vote grace. But no one, no one gets away from this. No one gets out of this. Jesus is not one of many different spiritualities that you can follow to, to find God. 
Jesus is not one of many different spiritualities that you might follow to, to kind of make amends for all of the, the dumb stuff and the, and the broken stuff that you've caused in life. Jesus is not just one of many ways that you can be forgiven. Jesus is not just one of many ways that gets us into the presence of God for all eternity. Jesus is the only way that that happens. And do you see why this is a game changer? Jesus is the only way. And so it's on us to live with that perspective. You know, I believe that, that we have come to a place of, 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 of not understanding what tolerance actually means. You see, we're called, we're, people tell us that, you know, yeah, Jesus is the only way. You're intolerant, Christian person. No, see, tolerance, here's, here's what tolerance means. Tolerance means I disagree with you 100%. But I'm going to respect you as a human being. But I'm not going to agree with you. See, agreeing with you is called acceptance. And we don't have to accept all of the other spiritualities out there. In fact, we can't. Because of this, in him, through him, for him, all things. We can be tolerant and you don't have to act like a jerk. You don't have to hit people with your Bible, though sometimes somebody needs a good thumping every once in a while. I get that. Use the paperback and roll it up gently. But this changes the playing field. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one No one comes to the Father except through me. Those are his words. Now watch. Watch what Paul is going to do here as he he lays this whole thing out. He's even going to go farther. Colossians 1.17. He's talking about Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Remember, I think it was last week, we talked about this idea of the preexistence of Christ. And so what I want to do is I want to spend a little time on on just this verse. We're going to break it down, the beginning of it. He is before all things. Before all of this was Jesus. Before any of it came into being, Jesus was there. There is no beginning to him or for him. He has always been. It's pre-existing. Now, we have trouble getting our minds around that a little bit because we are kind of beginning-ending type of people. We exist in time. We have, it's, it's quarter to 12 right now. That made some of you look. <laughs> I planned that. Anyway, we exist in time. and Everything that we experience in the physical is in this thing that we call time. And all of the physical things that we experience have a beginning and an ending. Your work day has a beginning and ending. Jobs have beginning and ending. We have seasons in our lives that begin and end. Seasons begin and end. All of these, everything that we experience begins and ends, including us. We are born. And eventually, all of us will die. That's the truth. And so this is where we live in this context 
of time and beginning and ending. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus has always been. He stands outside of time. The only thing he knows is eternal. The only thing he knows is always been. Jesus is. That's the truth of, who, of, 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 of the person of Christ. He is. And, and, from our, and from our human perspective, sometimes it's difficult to kind of get our minds around that there is no beginning to him. That before all of this, he is. And when all of this goes away, he is. Nothing changes for him. And the scripture over and over again will tell us and point to the pre-existent Christ. The most popular one I just want to look at is uh, the Gospel of John. And it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Understand this. This is not saying that in the beginning of God was Jesus or in the beginning at the beginning of God. What it's saying to us is that in the beginning of humanity, in the beginning of everything that we see and experience that's physical, Jesus was there, pre-existent, before it all happened, Genesis 1-1 said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what does he do? He speaks. He speaks into the chaos and begins to create. The word begins to create. Jesus Christ is the active agent in all of creation, pre-existing with God because he is God. This, this is something that we have to get our minds around and understand as Christ followers. This is, this is fundamental Christology. Christ, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's a cool seminary word. I failed that class. But anyway, it's all about Christ. We have to understand the proper um, theology of who Jesus is as the pre-existing God. He makes everything. And then verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus Christ, who is, comes to earth as a person. And He puts on this body and He walks among us teaches us and he loves on us and he shows us Jesus became flesh and blood and set up shop with us and then the second half of 17 oh what I do and in him all things hold together. This, this is huge. In him, all things hold together. This is a huge sweeping statement about Jesus Christ. In fact, this puts to rest 
all the other kind of fringe ideas about who God is. This kind of pokes at the agnostics, pokes at the deist. See, the agnostics would say that, that there, there is no real way to know any deity. Whether it, and, and those are the cliff notes of it. But that there is no way to know God. And what Paul says is, oh no, not only can you know him, first of all, he's created all of this, and not only has he created it all, he holds it all together. He keeps it all working. So yes, you can know God. And then for the deists, they would say that, that God does not intervene with the functioning of the world. Pretty much that God has created the world, gave it a good spin, set it up, and then he kind of walked away and he's become this cosmic spectator. And whatever happens, happens. And the only way for people to experience God is through reason, intellect, and through the course of nature. Because God no longer has anything to do with any of this. Now, I believe that we can experience God through reason and intellect, and I do believe we can experience him through nature. But that's not all. That is not the only ways that we can experience him. The deists would say that there's absolutely no spiritual revelation from God. There is no supernatural manifestation of God. Why? Because he's just no longer involved in all of this. Set it up, spun it, walked away, and is just kind of watching from a distance. And Paul argues with a great big, oh, nay, nay. That is not the way it happens. Not only did God create all of this, but he is holding it all together. He, has, he is holding all of this, everything that you see, things that you can't see. Christ is holding it all together. The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets. Hebrews would say with his powerful word, he holds it all together. He makes it work. The continuation of the universe is not by chance. It's because Christ, moment by moment, holds it together. Moment by moment, holds it together. And as Christ walked this earth, when he was tired, when he was hungry, when he would, when he would go and when he would sleep, when he would teach, when he was betrayed, when he was beaten and whipped and crucified on the cross, he still holds everything together in those moments. He holds it all together. So this is not because of some philosophy. Philosophy doesn't hold this thing together. Not even theology. The virtues of God, a characteristic of God. Those things don't hold the world together. It's Christ and Christ alone. The person of Jesus holds it together. Because of the power of his word, the sun burns at exactly the correct temperature all the time. Because of the power of his word, the moon does what the moon does to make sure that the tides are held at bay. For the power of his word, gravity does what gravity is supposed to do, or you will all be floating around here in a really weird church service thing, which might be pretty cool anyway, and we'd make the news, huh? Anyway, 
The atoms are held together because of Christ. The electron goes around the nucleus because of Christ. All of your biological functions are taking place right now because Jesus is telling them to. And he's holding you together. Each breath that you're breathing in and taking out or letting out, he has ordained it. And he holds it together. Are are you tracking with that? Are Are you getting that? Everything in the universe that's happening right now is because Christ says it's going to happen. Now, I'm going to, I did some very light, Cliff Note-esque research. In the Milky Way galaxy, they say there's two to four billion stars-ish. And maybe two to four billion planets in the Milky Way. And then I looked and said, well, how many, how many galaxies are there? And some estimations, and I guess it's hard to figure that out, but they say that there could be two to four billion galaxies, each having, let's just lowball it and say, six million celestial entities in each one. Jesus holds all of that together. And he has named every star. And you ready for this? Hold on to your hats. Not only has he created it, not only has he set it in motion, not only is he holding it and making sure it all does what it's supposed to do, he is present simultaneously in every single one of those bajillion, bajillion, I'm making those up because I don't even know how big, zero times the, he's there in each one of those places. That is the power and the majesty of Christ that, and in him, All things hold together. Do you see the power, the authority, and the majesty? Nothing happens without Jesus ordaining it and keeping it happening. Nothing. And so in that power, in that power, I believe that we we need to deal with Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Do you know what that says? I mean, I mean, are you gathering that? An atom doesn't do what an atom is supposed to do in the nuclear and electrons and protons, and I really don't understand that. And, and the smallest particles uh, don't do what they're supposed to do, and the universe doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and not a single galaxy that is, does what it's supposed to do without Christ holding it all together. And yet in all of that, Jesus knows you intimately and deeply. He knows you. He knows you and everything about you on a deep, intimate, personal level. Beyond physiology, beyond your biology, Jesus knows you. He's aware of you. When you rolled out of bed this morning, he knew it. 
He didn't have to check the list to see, oh, is he up yet? No, oh, he's not up yet. He knew it from the moment you put your feet. He knew when you were sleeping. Every thought that's in your head, right at this very moment, he knows it. Every thought that you're going to have in your head for the rest of your life, Jesus knows it. Perfectly. Whether it's good or bad. Everything that you do, everything that you've done, everything that you're thinking about doing, everything that you do that you have no idea that you're going to do, Jesus knows it. Even something as simple as sitting down and standing back up, Jesus is aware of it. Before you ever speak a single word, He knows what that word is going to be. This should scare the death out of you. But yet also bring you crazy amounts of peace. Because he doesn't know you begrudgingly. Fine. Dennis again. He knows you by name. The creator sustainer everything knows who you are you know that fear that fear that haunts you that fear that you won't tell anybody about because because you feel embarrassed about it that fear that 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 you just keep inside and you fight back all the time and sometimes it wins but you're always pushing it back and fighting it. And you won't tell anybody about it. Jesus knows it. And that pain, that deep brokenness that you just kind of bottle up inside because obviously nobody else can understand. And and you've learned just to smile through it. You know, fake it until you make it, right? Right? And if you didn't fake it, and if you didn't smile, you just feel like it would just, it would just completely engulf you and destroy you. That pain, Jesus knows about it. And that sin, that thing that you just are so embarrassed about and feel so guilty about, and you try and you try and you try, and sometimes you can get a handle on it, and sometimes, sometimes it, you can keep it at bay, but it always seems to manifest itself again and again, and you're ashamed of it. Why can't you just beat it? Well, you can't, and that's a sermon for another day. But it's that thing that just continually haunts you. Jesus knows about it. And he knows about it not to sit there and laugh with you or at you. He knows because he cares. And it's in those very things that he wants to heal and release you and free you from. And so everything, everything about you, everything that's happened to you, everything that will happen to you is known by Christ. Nothing, nothing happens without him knowing. Everything happens in him and through him and for him. You cannot experience anything good or bad without Christ's being part of it. I've been wrestling with the idea, and and to be honest, um, 
you know, and I, I wrestled with, should I even bring this up? But why not? Because maybe some of you wrestle with the same thing. Does God allow anything to happen? Because if he were just to allow things to happen, would that make him just a passive God to say, oh, I'll allow that. Yeah, that's cool. I'll let that happen. Or by moment by moment, is God in control of everything? Not control of letting it happen, in control of making things happen. And see, that's, that's a terrifying thought. It's a terrifying thought. Because if God is in control of all this, and God is good, then everything that, that happens to us, or around us, or in us, if God is allowing it and God is good, then somehow, is everything good? There's this idea of God's revealed goodness and God's concealed goodness. See, God's revealed goodness is the things that we pray for. It's, it's happiness, it's health, it's the good job, it's safety, it's love, it's friends, it's family. And God's concealed goodness, the goodness we can't see, is what we pray against. We ask God, please keep these things from us. Suffering, sickness, pain, and brokenness. And it would be hard, it's hard for us to get our minds around the fact that the goodness of God can be demonstrated through suffering. I believe that God is sovereign over all things. Nothing happens outside of him. He doesn't come in after the fact to clean stuff up. He doesn't come in after the fact to try to make things better or right. Because he dropped the ball, he missed the boat, he made a boo-boo. God is most concerned about his own glory. And in that... He looks to make sure that everything will bring him glory. And so can those difficult times that we experience also bring glory to God? Because it's in those times that we can begin to experience him in a very different way. It's in those times that we begin to experience God in a way that we have never experienced Him before. And as we are stretched and pulled, more of that divine light of Christ begins to enter in to us. And more of that divine light begins to push back the darkness. And I know that sometimes it feels like that light is just forcing its way in. And all you can see is darkness. And all you can experience is the pain. But we can get to the point of, of retrospect. The work is kind of done. The light has been integrated into us, the light of Christ. And things can begin to look a little different and take on different meaning. Things get reframed from a slightly new and, and expanded perspective. But I'm going to tell you this. Depending on the hurt 
depending on the pain, depending on the brokenness that you've experienced. Man, that process can take months, years. It could take a lifetime. It could take to the life that's to come. But through the pain that we experience in this life, we are deepened and, and, and wisened and changed. And, and as that pain slowly eases, what we find that's left is the treasure of the light of life that is Jesus Christ. And it begins to change us, full life, an abundant life, the Jesus life. Jesus has never dropped the ball. Jesus has never made a mistake. Jesus, Jesus has never let us down. All things have been created in him, through him, for him, and in him, all things hold together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat with his disciples. And he would teach them and talk to them and love on them. And he gave bread and he gave a cup. And he brought new meaning to those very simple things. And he said, when you partake in these things, remember me. And I think for us it's important to remember that. In him, all things hold together. And in that moment, when, when the world looked like it was going to win, Jesus would claim victory. When it looked like it was all falling apart, and the disciples have no idea at this point what's going to take place, and could you imagine them watching their teacher, their friend, their rabbi being nailed to the cross and how it was all falling apart. And it looked like God dropped the ball. Like God, like, oh my goodness, what is he doing? All things in him, through him, for him. And in him, all things hold together. And so, let that kind of resonate in your heart and in your soul this morning. One writer I'm reminded of, I don't know who he was, is 
he would say that the dilation of our souls with the light of Christ is sometimes a painful thing. But it's always a good thing. So come as you're ready, and together we'll take communion together.